सहनावतु सहनौ भुनक्तु सह वीर्यंकवाहै तेजस्वीनावधीतमस्तु मदिषा वहै शाशाशाति गुरुर्ब्रह्मा गुरुर्विष्णु गुरुर्देव महेश्वर गुरुरेव परम ब्रह्मा तस्म श्रीगुरव नम तस्म श्रीगुरव नम We are in the fifth shloka. Well, sometimes the sequencing of the numbers can go throw you off. This is the fifth shloka from the starting of Vishwam Vishnu Vashatkaram. So repeat after me. Swayam bhusham bhuraditya ha. Swayam bhusham bhuraditya ha. पुष्कक्षो महास्वन पुष्कक्षो महास्वन अनादिधनो धाता अनादिधनो धाता विधाता धातुत्तम धातुत्तम <coughs> as we proceed with each name one beautiful aspect of paramatma is understood like yesterday i was trying to say that to identify and intellectually understand what exactly is this paramatma is one of the most subtlest topics so much so that there is a colloquial saying that when something somebody complains that you know this is very difficult so quickly comes the answer it is not brahma vidya meaning brahma vidya when you say that it is difficult it can be understood that it, yes it is difficult rest of it all is not that difficult because it is not that subtle as compared to brahma vidya any word taken to describe that paramatma can only describe one aspect of it and each word has got its own flaw in it it reminds me of one poem or a song in hindi it was also used in a hindi movie this is the lover defining the beauty of his beloved so there he says that you are you are the brightness of my life if i say that in comparison if i compare you to the sun tujhe suraj mein kehta tha but if i compare you to the sun then 
the comparison doesn't really befit because the sun has usme to aag hai that it has fire in it and it burns you don't have that quality if i compare you to the comparison of being a moon that's also bright a full moon so he says usme to daag hai daag meaning it has blemishes when you look at the full moon it is not completely white there are some black spots but you don't have any blemishes you don't have any black spots that way the whole song goes saying that anything that i compare has got some flaw in it so there is nothing worthwhile comparing you to with this world now if a beloved feels defining her when her his own love of his life that nothing can be compared imagine to define that paramatma who is the subtlest of all no word can actually match but each word as taken is explained to make us understand one aspect of it one property one aspect of the nature of that paramatma so when it is said here swayambhuhu swayambhu is an often used word even in the upanishad it comes they use this particular word swayambhu when the, when we use this word swayambhu it is in direct answer to the question that the parents feel really very satisfied when they hear their children say or ask after a balavihar class that mom or dad they say that you know god created everything but who created god so quickly there is an email sent swami ji my son has asked a brilliant question but i do not know how to answer this this is who created god god is not a created vastu he is the support for this entire creation but he is not a created entity why and before i go to why a funny incident that happened i may have shared this with you all there was this kid a second grader and he comes he said swami ji yes so i bent down to his height yes, yes. who created this everything all this world everything in this chair this lectern this this everything who created it and then without pausing he continues to say don't tell me it is god and you ask me a question and snatch away the answer what does do i have to answer then don't tell me it is god and i was with my own quizzed look on my face how do i answer this how do i handle this so he eases his question and he says because anything and everything that we purchase when i look at it it says made in china so definitely it is not made in made by god i said thank you 
Now that makes my life easier. I said, God made China. Oh, then it makes sense. If God made China also, you have to understand it from a second grader. For him, the idea is, Hindus from India have God. The rest of them, he doesn't have the correlation. When I said that God made China also. If a Chinese hears me speak like this, they may not agree. Because they are communist, right? Whatever be the belief, God created everything. Who created him? That which is eternal does not need to be created. What is eternal? That which is Nitya Vastu. Nitya Vastu ever present. It may look when you go into the deeper meaning that you are going in circles. In order to explain Swayambhu, we said it is eternal. In order to explain eternal, we say it is Nitya. How can it be Nitya? His self-effulgent. Swayambhuhu. Swayambhuhu. Swayam self bhuhu bhavati. Self-existent. Does not need to depend on anything to be created. If God were to be a created entity, if God, if you take that logic for a while, if God were to be a created entity, then the one who has created that God has to be more powerful than this God. Why, would, why should we worship this person then, the so-called God? We would worship that powerful person who has created this God. Then again the question will come, who created that powerful entity? And this way it would become, it would regress to infinity. There is no end to it. It has a fallacy in it. That when you talk about a creator of the creator, there is no end. So we stop at Paramatma. That Paramatma who can become a creator, but who is unchanged and eternal. Swayambhu. And another meaning of this Swayambhu also means that ultimate cause which can express in multivarious formats of effects. Because he has the Sarvaswatantra. Sarvaswatantra, absolute freedom to express as he wishes to. Yesterday also we saw that word, Sambhava. And he himself says in Bhagavad Gita, Sambhavami, Yuge Yuge. That whenever required, I express myself into this world. So, everything is going so bad. Why doesn't God come down? Isn't it time enough? Has it got to get to such bad situation that the God you know, then thinks that it is worthwhile his time to come down? 
Now, God is not some entity that he has to take a special form and come. Who is you and me? Essentially, we are that Paramatma. But we are in our denial that we are limited. Therefore, we don't recognize it. So, Paramatma says, in the 7th chapter, in the ninth chapter, he continuously gives various examples. He says, I am also in the form of your buddhi. What aspect of that buddhi? Whenever there is a selfless inspired moment, inspired conviction that is born, there I am taking the avatar in your own buddhi. Whenever you take the name of the Lord, I am taking the avatar in the form of a sound on your tongue. Whenever you see something grandeur, you are seeing that aspect of Paramatma in its beauty. Because Paramatma is the one who can express himself in any form. Therefore, he is called Swayam Bhuhu. If he expresses himself in any form, why does he have to express? Because he is Shambhuhu. Shambhuhu. Yesterday we saw Shiva. Shivaha. Shivaha means auspiciousness. He is not just being auspicious. He also brings in, comes in the form of auspiciousness into the life of all that which has been created. So when people ask, shouldn't God's grace be you know, available for anybody from any walk of life? Equally on everybody. Shouldn't it be available? He says, yes. But his ways of expressing his grace is in various types. We expect him to express in one particular format. Oh God, I am in poverty. Express in the form of what does a poor man ask for? Wealth. Oh God, I feel lonely. So, what does the lonely person expect? Companionship through the spouse. So, let me have a beautiful or handsome or the most complete Mr. Perfect or Mrs. Perfect. We have our own anticipations that God should express in these ways. Then I will see, then I will know that God is there. God doesn't require our approval for his existence. First. Second, how does he come? He comes in that beneficial pattern which helps, supports and encourages that individual to move forward in a positive direction. Therefore, he is called Shambhu. Now, even as parents, are we always cuddling and hugging and our children? 
whatever the children ask at whatever time, do we say tathastu? Mom, the Xbox has become old. Can we get a new version? Tathastu. I have an iPhone 4S. Can I get an upgrade of iPhone 5? Tathastu. I have a Mac. Can I have an iPad mini? Tathastu. Do you keep saying Tathastu to everything? Sometimes you may say yes immediately. Sometimes when you know that it is their distraction, you firmly say no. And when you find that it is a distraction, that which you have given, you also hold the authority to withdraw it. You know, when I got everything, I thought God was really pleased. Now everything is snatched away from me. This is not fair. Why does God do like this? Now why do you as parents snatch that away from the child? Because that is distracting that kid at that particular moment. So you draw a line. You say, no TV, no internet, no cell phone, no chatting, no text messages for until your exams are finished. Don't you do that? Don't you withdraw all the amenities provided? Are you withdrawing the amenities provided so that he becomes miserable? Your child, your own child. You are not even a warden of a hostel. Sometimes they are portrayed really cruelly. Your own child in your own house. Is it that you want to make them miserable that you have withdrawn all these? So the grace is not to be understood as a lavish, luxurious giving always. Sometimes it is taking also. Therefore, one of the names of Lord Ganesha is Vigna Vinayaka, Vigna Raja. He is the king of obstacles. How? If needed, he will remove obstacles. So that that individual can progress positively. If required, he will provide obstacles also. So that it helps that individual strengthen and grow. When the child is just starting to learn how to walk. Has anybody learned walking without falling? Did the child run out of the womb? Got my freedom today. No. Comes out crying. Then starts crawling. Then starts learning to walk. While learning to walk, so many times they fall. And within the family, you should look at the reactions. I cannot very surely say whether it is a mother's pattern or a father's pattern, but one of them definitely. Every time that the child falls, you know, run up to them and then you know, pick them up and said, and the other one, let them fall. They learn how to walk. 
Though you allow them to fall you, but you still are in that vicinity looking, taking care of their security, that their fall doesn't impact them in a detrimental way. Don't we do that? Now when Bhagwan comes, there are various definitions, various ways to look at it. One of the ways when Gurudev says that he says, Bhagwan comes to everybody. He comes to everybody with an opportunity. But that opportunity which comes to them in the form of hard work. But when he gives us an opportunity as hard work, what do we do? We want to cut corners. We want to cut corners and then expect that it should be easy. Is there anything called easy in this world? Why do they have to make it so difficult? It is not made difficult. You know, when children talk about exams, when they go from middle school to high school, I think all these teachers, they are sadistic. They set the papers in such a way that we fail. Unless you are tested, how would you know that you really know what you know? So the test is required. Why do you have to go through the test? So that you get out of that with flying colors. Sometimes you fail. What does a failure do? We get too touchy with the half-baked psychological impacts on the child. Swamiji, it impacts their personality. It impacts their growth. They don't grow positive. But if you never allow them to fail, do you think out there when they get out on their own feet, you will be there all around them, hovering around them, protecting them, securing them every time? That parent has done a good job who has not just taught them to be positive, courageous and looking forward for a positive direction but also has taught that in life you will fall but when you fall, gather yourself up, take stance, understand where you have fallen, why you have fallen and then grow from there. Similarly, Bhagavan also. He is not a pampering one. Look at all our gods. One hand is for pampering. The other rest hands. Like Vishnu, they say, Shanka Chakra Gadapadma. One hand, Abhaya Hasta, I am protecting you. But the other hands, there is Astra Shastra. Why do they carry those weapons? I am a giver. I am also that very person who knows when to snatch it away. Don't we do that to our kids when the child is growing? Sometimes they put their thumb or couple of fingers and keep suckling at it. 
what do you do every time, what, when, whenever you pull that hand out, what does a child do? What does a child do? Cry and try to put it back. I have seen parents to, to, uh, to go to an extent that they will put something bitter on their finger or put the entire hand in a socks so that it is not available for the child to put it. Why do you do such things? To make the child miserable? Now, at that moment it may look like misery. So, Shambhu, that Lord who gives us various experiences depending on our maturity to further our maturity and wisdom. If that baking period is not done, what happens to the pot? Very elegant, beautiful shape has been formed. What will happen to it if it is not baked properly? You know, when you put it in that, what do you call that? Uh, it's not an oven, they call it kil, clit, kil, kil, right? So, when you put it in there, it's like a furnace. A furnace with what? 1600 Fahrenheit, 1700 Fahrenheit. And you create it and you put it through that fire. Why? So that when it is used, it can withstand all the wear and tear. Similarly, Bhagavan provides everybody the opportunity. But instead of understanding it as an opportunity, we go into depression, frustration, dejection, disenchantment. I can continue next one hour with these different names. You get the picture. And then start complaining. Why me? Why me always? Now, if it is coming again and again, shouldn't we be intelligent enough to understand that this experience, this pattern is repeating itself again and again in my life? The purpose of that experience is that I do not get stumbled upon it and fall every time. But to understand how wisely I can maneuver myself to grow out of it. If there is a banana peel on the floor, you didn't know anything like banana existed. You didn't know. Let us assume. There is some banana peel on the floor and you stepped on it. What happens? You have a beautiful experience. You fall. The next time banana peel you see, What do you call the person who looks at that banana peel and starts crying? Why? Should I have to fall again? First thing, don't fall. Second, maybe there will be somebody like me who has not known what is a banana peel may fall. Therefore, I pick it up and throw it in a trash can. That is the improvement, right? Now, every time there is a dukkha, every time there is something distressing, 
even before seeing that distressed moment, we get all agitated. I know, this is going to happen, I know, I feel it. If you already feel it, prepare to face it properly. Oh no, Swamiji, everything is going on so smoothly, I am scared. If everything is not going smoothly, you are scared. If everything is going too smoothly, you are scared. That it is like the calm before the storm. I am scared. Something is going to happen. Terrible is going to happen. If you know there is something terrible, buckle up. Knowing that your antenna has already given you the hint. That there is something terrible happening. You go through the terrible thing, falling in it. You all drive. If you see a pothole, at least in these roads here, if you see a pothole, because back in India, there will be potholes and you have to search for the road. Here there will be, occasionally you will find a pothole. When you find a pothole, what do you do? And it is, your daily commute is through that very pothole road. Knowing that there is a pothole, don't you change the lane? Don't you be prepared for it? Similarly, life, various experiences come. Look at the pattern of it. All these have been provided only to bring auspiciousness to that individual. However terrible be the experience. And this logic has to be applied on oneself only. Not on those people around you. Oh, you have fallen. That is probably God's way of telling you to walk carefully. Don't talk philosophy when somebody is in pain. Go there, reach out, help them, help them stand again. When you are in that situation, apply philosophy. Apply this logic on oneself. That's why many times when I go to meet people, when there is a death of somebody immediate in their family, I used to wonder, what do I go there and speak? Because that is not the time and place for me to speak Vedanta. Body is not eternal. Body will fall anyway. Body is made out of these five elements, will merge into these five elements. That is not the time and place for it. That is the time to be there with them to shoulder their pain or sorrow. When we go through sickness, when we go through bad times, apply that logic on oneself. Even this will pass away. It's another day. Fine. Take it with a smile. Forward. Because every experience is provided only to strengthen that individual. Therefore, Gurudev always says, God 
may not give us what we desire, but He definitely gives us what we deserve. Don't go ballistic in trying to universally apply this principle. Somebody was stabbed, somebody was killed, somebody was raped. Do you think they deserved it? As I said, this is not to be applied on others. It is for one's own growth that this has been explained thus. Because we have this funny mentality. When at an individual level a concept is being explained, we globalize it. And when at a global level something is being explained, we immediately individualize it. Understand the standpoint and where it has to be applied. It happens many times even in Balavihar sessions when we have. When I am saying a point, one question, what? How do I you know, apply this with my children? Apply this with yourself first. Then it will start reflecting in your actions. Thus thereby it will be an inspiration for the children to follow it. Without oneself applying it, expecting the children to start applying it. And they make such hopeless statements. Swamiji, you know, they have a life ahead of us. Ours is like almost done. So even if I don't change, it is okay. My children should be okay. Apply it on oneself. So when here Paramatma is recognized as Shambhu, that he comes in as auspiciousness alone. Whatever aspect of it that we are going through in life, every moment is provided so that I perfect myself. At every single step, if that be remembered always, there is never a rupture in the heart. There will be lots of ruptured moments in your life, but your heart is not ruptured. Why you know that this moment is being provided by me for by the Lord so that I go through it victoriously. Okay, Lord, you have given me this. Give me the strength also now. I am going to jump in and start working at it. But instead, what do we do? The moment we see something, we start running away. Wherever we go, our life is there. And that experience will unfold right there. So stop avoiding, stop running. Be where you are and unfold thoroughly. As the experiences come. Because God is not neglecting, He is providing. Therefore, He is called Shambhu. Swayambhu Shambhu Adityaha Adityaha, one meaning can mean that this God is eternally watching us. Eternally illumining us. 
by just being the sun, Surya Narayana. One meaning of it. That he is verily that sun, the ball of fire that we see. That is the very expression of Paramatma. The second meaning is, imagine if there was no sun here, in this cosmos, in this system, if there was no sun here, there have been a lot of papers worked on, PhDs worked on. What will happen if there was no sun or moon? There would not be you and me researching on that topic. Because if there is no sun, will there be any kind of plant kingdom? If there is no plant kingdom, would we have food? The entire place would be a frozen mass. Even today I am still surprised why people live in New York and even up north. Where in 7 to 8 months it's frozen. I so deliberately avoid getting to these northern zones during winter times. Sometimes it's unavoidable, that's a different issue. The sun brings life. For a couple of days it is gloomy like it was today. And the moment you see sun, don't you find a smile on your face? Ah, today I saw sun. Today it is bright. I went into a store on a gloomy day in the same kinds of clothes. <clears throat> and the guy at the store looked at me and I said, you are the only brightest thing that I have come across in my entire day today. So I asked him, does that put a smile on your face? You know, me coming as the brightest thing. Then I think it is worthy enough of me wearing these kinds of robes. Say, oh, definitely. Good. Because you see sun and you see that smile on your face. Because he brings life to this earth. Meaning the sustainer, the one who sustains life is called Aditya. Second meaning. Third meaning of it is, the son of Aditi, sage Kashyapa had two wives. He was the most balanced guy because his two wives, one name was Aditi, the other's name was Diti. Aditi's children were called Aditya and Diti's children were called Daitya. And there has always been a fight among Adityas and Daityas. Daityas are the Rakshasas. Imagine what the parent must be going through, the father especially. One side he must be proud. <laughs> the other side, so finally in his utter uh, frustration, he asks Bhagavan Narayana. He says, Lord, can I have that birth wherein 
I will have only you as my son and not the counterpart also as my son. Therefore, he, Aditi and Kashyapa were born again as Dasharatha and Kausalya. Unto whom were born Rama. So, to such Aditi, there were 12 children born. Arunaha, Suryaha, Bhanuhu, Tapanaha, Chandramaha, Mitraha, Hiranyavirya, Ravihi, Aryama, Gabastihi, Divakaraha, Vishnuhu. In Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavan says, Adityanam Aham Vishnuhu. Among the Adityas, I express in the form of Vishnu. So, Bhagavan Vishnu, who is the son of Aditi and Kashyapa, he is worshipped here as Aditya. <coughs> I think I can go on in various other meanings. And these many meanings would be sufficient for understanding the word Aditya. So I gave you four meanings for that word. Swayam Bhushambhur Adityaha Pushkarakshaha Pushkara Akshaha. There was a time when I was learning. Tanjaur painting. See when I am sure you are aware of Tanjaur painting, right? People call it Tanjaur painting. It is not Tanjaur, it is Tanjaur. So Tanjaur painting. So when I was learning it, I observed a very beautiful pattern. <clears throat> Whoever is the form of God or goddess that has been pictured in there portrayed in there, painted there. It is always drawn in the proportions of various formats of lotuses. The face is drawn in the form of a lotus. The hands are drawn like a lotus petal. The arms are drawn like various proportions of lotuses. Of course, the eyes and they say Pushkarakshaha, that the eyes are so beautiful that each eye looks like a petal or looks like a unblossomed lotus. You know, they are full, they are big, without any crookedness, without any, uh, you know, sometimes when you do the, there is this chapter in the scriptures called Mukha Samudrika Lakshana which also explains the hand palmistry and uh, the various lines and what it talks about. So there it talks about the, the entire face, how the face is, how balanced and what do you call it, um, symmetrical, right, thank you. Uh, there was some other word coming up. Symmetrical. That the eyebrow, eyebrows are symmetrical. 
the forehead is symmetrical. The entire head and the shape, it is not like, you know, sometimes when uh, the, the hair is shaven, it looks like, you know, somebody has taken a spade and hit on the head and everything is flat. Or somebody must have smacked in the back and the entire back is like a flat. It has to have a, a circular round shape to it. The forehead has to have that proportionality to it. The eyebrows are beautiful. The ears are of the same size and similar looking shape. Imagine if the one ear is big, one ear is small. It is out of proportion, it is disproportionate. Eyes, when they talk about the eyes, they say it has to be as full and as big as when you draw a lotus. The full eyes, big eyes. And those beautiful eyes, because eyes are the there is a very beautiful saying that I had read long time ago. It said that you laugh physically through your, or you smile physically through your lips. But the soul smiles through the eyes. So much so that when you know somebody very closely and they are putting on a brave front, with a smile on their face, acting very peppy and so you look at them. What happened? Is everything fine? But the moment you look into their eyes, you know there is something behind those eyes. Something hiding. Something very painful hiding there. Otherwise, how would you know looking at somebody that they are in pain or they are not in pain? Sometimes between the husband and the wife, they, that is the issue. The wife says, I am in pain and my wife, my husband doesn't recognize it. The husband says, unless you tell me, how would I know? The wife again protesting, how do I know when you are in pain? It shows in the eyes. It is through these eyes that the soul from within beams forth, shines forth. And when that individual has the firm abidance of devotion in Paramatma, there is a deep serenity and a sense of fearlessness in those eyes. Bright and shining. When you look at great Mahatmas, <clears throat> like when you when Guruji comes here, or when when I had the great opportunity to meet Gurudev, or just in photographs, look at Swami Vivekanandji's face, look at his eyes, not the painted ones, the original photographs, Ramana Maharshi. Such firm vision, such firm, you know, straight piercing eyes that he has. The moment you look at them, you feel at peace. And of the Lord, 
the most beautiful aspect of his are his capturing eyes. Of course, every limb can be spoken thus. The smile is also capturing. That is why we have the Madhurashtakam. Adharam Madhuram. Chalitam Madhuram. Vamanam Madhuram. Gamanam Madhuram. Hasitam Madhuram. Nayanam Madhuram. Suptam Madhuram. I mean, every aspect of Bhagavan is that sundara, that beautiful. Madhuram, one of the meanings is intoxicating. Intoxicatingly sweet. So his eyes, Pushkarakshaha. So when we sit in front of the Lord and do our archana, puja and other things, Make sure that you decorate the Lord so well that your eyes capture that Lord in that amazing beauty. Pushkarakshaha Swayam Bhusham Bhuradityaha Pushkarakshaha Mahaswanaha 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 <coughs> Swanaha means a roaring sound. Mahaswanaha, great roaring sound. See, the entire world is nothing but an expression of energy into matter. The entire world. Amazingly, Various other religions are also of the same opinion. The first time I came across that particular concept, I was stunned looking at the similarity. Like in Bible it says, that the world came from the world and the world was with the Lord. I don't know which, exactly which segment of Bible it says, the world came from the word and the word was with the Lord. Now when we look at our scriptures, the first primordial sound, Om. From Om came all other syllables. Now Swami, make us understand. How did world come from word? Is it possible? Now, word when you utter, it is a sound. Is sound a form of energy or not? Right? It has a vibration to it. Now, these vibrations in different permutations, when they combine, the solidification of it is what we see in the form of matter. Energy transforms itself into matter and again transforms matter transforms itself into energy. And it all started with word. Therefore, the mantras have that kind of power in it. Though it is just a simple word, but when uttered, when chanted with proper adhikara, it has that desired impact. 
so much so that when in earlier days they took water and said turn into a stone who turned whom into a stone this is a story in ramayana ahalya was turned into a stone don't go home and try it when you get angry take water turn into a stone and nearest available stone they'll pelt it at you but sometimes you know don't tell this to everybody once <clears throat> this was uh, about 20 years ago i'm trying to remember exactly or 24 years ago 20 years ago there was this mahakumbh mela and we were coming back we had attended for 8 or 9 days and we had an amazing experience and after having that holy dip we were coming back and getting into the train was a problem because it was already occupied and with all these different people their luggages everything when we got inside finally the guys who were sitting there already refused to get out of that place when the others when we talked to them showed their ticket they were quite understanding they said okay this is their seat let's move to some other place but there were these two people who refused to so suddenly a spark of intelligence spark of brilliance we just had that ganga water you know in all our bottles and everything that we were carrying back home i suddenly took some ganga water in my hand and loudly started chanting i had already winked to my other uh, brahmachari friend you might have met him vinayini so i winked at him gave him a cue that you know i'm going to do something like this so i took that water and then i started chanting these shanti mantras and other things and he went as he is going to give sharper to you immediately the seats were vacated sometimes it can have an impact but i know i was fooling around if they ended up challenging i didn't know what what else to do but that was my last resort but my my point of using that as a threat and their point of being threatened by that was that the belief that there can be such thing that can happen that the mantra can have that kind of an impact there is some places wherein there is constant mantra being chanted constant upasana being done when you go to such places your mind automatically becomes calm so that primordial sound mahaswanaha that is one meaning the second meaning is 
that roaring call which comes from within, that inspired moment wherein you turn to become a seeker for good. Some experience, something that happens that, that calling comes from within. That calling which pulls us towards the Lord is called Mahaswanaha. For many, there is no better calling than the most disgustful, painful event in life. You go through something really very tragic and it changes the entire attitude. There are so many people who get to those uh, close calls, close death uh, experience. After that experience, suddenly their entire life is transformed. Why? Very few people get second chance. I got a second chance. I am not going to waste this anymore. And they become such devout persons. For most intelligent ones, it need not be their pain or suffering. When they see suffering in general, that is enough for them to get that calling. When you can pick such people on fingers. Vivekanandji, when he used to see poor people, when that was sufficient for him, that he would go days together without food. Because his mom would bring him a thali of food and from his window he would give it to those beggars. And she realized that he was doing this for almost 3-4 days when one day after feeding him, after giving the plate of food to him, she went into the backyard. From there she saw there was a big line right under the window of Vivekananji, Narendra. And she wondered what is happening here. She saw that you know rotis are being thrown out from there. Instead of scolding him, she said, okay, you eat, we will make some arrangement for them. Siddhartha, another beautiful example. He never saw pain in his life. He saw one old person, he saw one sick person and he saw one dead person, one dead body. Three experiences and that was sufficient for him to change his life. Have we come across old people? Have we come across sick people? Have we lost somebody very close, near, dear? Have we seen a dead body? Why didn't that calling come in us? Sometimes we are so inert from within, dense. I know this person, he went through a very miserable marriage. He had a child and it was a painful, even for the onlookers it was painful. And after 10-14 years after the divorce, 
one day he comes and says, Swamiji, I got married. I was like, one was not sufficient, one experience. You have to invite one more. We go through lots of experiences. Sant Goswami Tulsidasji. He adored, he loved his wife next to God. He adored her like anything. One day because of his pangs of suffering, his wife had gone to visit her father and he sneaks into that house just to meet her. And she says something really very powerful. She says, 10% of what you show your interest in me, if you show your interest in God, he will give you darshan. Aren't you ashamed sneaking in like this? How many times a spouse has not scolded the other half? Reprimanded the other half? It happens. Don't look at me, don't stare at me like as if I am making up stories. Does it happen or not? Huh. Now I find some life. It's quite natural, it happens. What do we do? Dust it off. Yathasthanam pratishthapayami. We are back to the original self. No change. That one statement from his wife. He just was stunned. Are? What she is saying is true. And she thanked, when he thanked her and left that place for good. Directly from Banaras, he goes to Chitrakut only to meditate on the Lord. And ours is, I was at somebody's house. And there was some kind of a misunderstanding between husband and wife. And I could hear them screaming. They were in the living room screaming at each other. This happened in India. They were screaming at each other, shouting. And I was, the first time I was seeing like that, you know, live, I was pretty shaken up. And then he slams the door and says, Done! Today, my last thread of hope is shattered. I am going for good. I am going to Haridwar or Rishikesh and I am taking sannyas. And he bangs the door and leaves. And this lady, she doesn't stop him, she doesn't talk to him and nothing. As if nothing has happened, you know, the, the sari pallu. She just dusts it off and puts it again, gets into the kitchen, starts getting to work. Now, I was looking like, you know, like a tennis uh, match, where there was a good rally, I was watching them both, you know. <laughs> and then he leaves and she leaves. I went and I said, Amma, why didn't you stop him? I was totally innocent. I became a brahmachari when I was, what, 19 years. Uh, total innocence, I went and said, why don't why didn't you go stop him? What if he never comes back? She looked at me and said, I have been married to that fellow for the past 32 years. 
his Haridwar Rishikesh will be the chai, chai or the tea shop around the corner. Go check if I am wrong. I didn't go check. We don't use it as a calling, we use it as a threat. See, when that calling comes, it comes such forcefully. That experience which triggers that calling, that calling of divine from within is called Mahaswanaha. Third meaning of Mahaswanaha is the entire realm of scriptures which is nothing but mantras which are sounds. They are accepted as the Nishwasa, Nishwasa, the breath which is coming out of the Lord. Meaning, the mantra which is, or the sound in the mantra which is the very breath of that Lord. So, when we are chanting this mantra, we are closest to the realm because it is his prana. So, that sound which comes out as his breath is called Mahaswana. And the final meaning is the entire universe is permeated with that primordial sound. Even here, when you just cup your hands and place them on your ears, you can hear that sound. When you take a shankha, shankha, what do you say in English? Conch. When you take a conch, make sure that it is empty. There is no living being inside. After coming to this country, I have started learning, uh, giving the disclaimers. Make sure there is no living being inside. The empty ones that you blow the conch in, put it to your ear. You hear that nada, that nada is the primordial sound, which is very close to the omkara. Mahaswanaha. Swayam bhushambhuraditya pushkaraksho mahaswanaha. Anadinidhano. Adi Nidhana. This is the history of everything that is being manufactured or created. There is the starting date and there is the end date Nidhana. MFG EXP. Manufacturing date and the expiration date. Here Bhagwan is described as Anadi Nidhanaha. That eternal entity who does not have a beginning or an end. That immortal, immutable Paramatma. We have already seen in Swayambhu. He is self-existent. There is no creator for the creator. 
because he is eternal. Therefore, there is no beginning or there is no end to this Paramatma. Which is what is depicted by the beautiful story that Bhagavan Shiva expresses in the form of a column of brilliance of light. Both Vishnu and Brahmaji are asked to find. Brahmaji is asked to find the head and Vishnu is asked to find the legs. Both go trying to find the head and the leg. It is at this time when the sparks fall on the earth. All those places where this spark has touched the earth, it is called a Jyotir Linga. A sacred form of Linga which is also Swayambhu, which you know expressed out. There are 12 of them. Anyway, the story is not or the intent was not to talk about Jyotir Linga. Coming back onto the track. Both Brahma and Vishnu fail to identify the two ends of this bright figure. Only to say that when Brahma, Vishnu cannot find the beginning and end of Paramatma, where can we mortals find the beginning and end? Because whatever we see is just one fraction of that Paramatma. When there are no fractions in Paramatma, just to put it in a, what do you call, speech, a figure, a figure of speech. So, the Purusha Sukta says that the entire world is just one pada, one quarter of that Paramatma. Rest of it, you neither can find the end nor the beginning. We have sent exploration teams or the gadgets out there to find the end of space. How many years ago was it? What 25, 30 years ago? Three decades ago. 30 years and those things have been still going, sending us, us, beaming us back the information that there is still a vast expanse out there. There are such galaxy systems, many more out there and still going on. The space which is the fifth element, there is no end to it. That Paramatma who has created that space would there be an end to it? Now, final explanation for this is, with regards to our own body and our own body identification, can we identify which is our starting point and end point? With a presupposition that when we start from home, that is a starting point. Chitrakut is the end point. So, when you have started from home, it means that you are not here. 
Now that you are here, it means that you are not there. At least physically, you are not there. Meaning, at that point where you are and at that point where you are not. One is the starting point, one is the end point. With regards to the body, can you identify a starting point and an end point? Because wherever you say you start and wherever you claim that you end, you start at your starting point and at that point where you have to end, I will pinch you. You should not feel anything, right? Because you are still at the starting point. But throughout the body, simultaneously, I can feel everything around me. Why? With regards to the body, neither there is a beginning nor an end. I am all pervasive. As this can be understood at a limited level of our body, so is Paramatma who is all pervasive. There is no beginning, there is no end to that Paramatma. Anadhinidhanaha Dhata Dhata <clears throat> One of the names of Bhagavan Adisesha Adisesha is the one who is visualized as the support for all the 14 lokas it is on his head that he is carrying a similar concept. Who is it carrying the globe in the Greek mythology? Atlas? Not Hercules. Atlas. Right. On Indian uh, cycle Atlas, there was a brand called Atlas. That The logo was Atlas carrying globe. A similar concept. That Adishesha, Bhagavan in the form of Adishesha, is the one who is supporting all these 14 lokas to be in their position. Dhata. Dhata means the supporter, the substratum. That because of which we are able to interact. That because of which we are able to perceive anything that is cognizable. Without whose presence, there is no more perception. That spark of life is called dhata, that which supports. And to that life spark, we provide life support. The hospitals, right? Finally, when the when finally that spark of life quits from this body, none of the perceptions work. In fact, what do we claim when we lose somebody close by? The body is still there. He or she has left. Because we also understand that there is something other than the body which is enlivening that body. As long as that principle lives in this body, we look alive. 
that sustaining consciousness is called dhata he is one side the supporter on the other side he is vidhata vidhata karma phala data is called vidata so he has set some natural laws natural laws nature's law that everything in this nature functions in one particular pattern with particular uh, scheme to it gurudev is to very beautiful say that this entire world it is a cosmos not a chaos that everything in this world is sustained by that natural law everything is governed by it so according to that natural law as you sow so you reap you don't get a penny you don't get an ounce extra or less if we really understand this one major frustration in the corporate world can be resolved wherein most of the times when i hear the claim is i put the effort that fellow snatches my fruit i have worked hard i have slogged for it somebody has snatched both the karma yoga siddhanta the principle of karma yoga and the trust in the lord go haywire if we truly understand that he is the karma phala data vidhata the one who ordains different fruits for different actions can my efforts worth results be snatched by anybody by mistake intended for somebody emails also can go across and that also must be our mistake one syllable here and there it goes to somebody else recently i met somebody today and so maybe i have been sending you emails aren't you getting it i said i checked my inbox i checked my what is that uh, ah spam folder junk folder i don't find your email anywhere and usually i don't ask this question but then i ended up asking what email id do you have can you spell it for me so in sarvesh ananda she spelled s a r v e s a n as i hold 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 somebody else is getting this not me why there is a yet missing there there is, after s there should be a h add it sometimes it can happen but karma yoga siddhanta says it very clearly i put the effort i alone will get the result good bad ugly indifferent doesn't matter what the result is i alone will get it 
It has never happened that I put the effort, somebody else gets the result. If that were true, please eat for me. My hunger will be satiated. Please take medicines for me. My headache will be gone. Does it happen? No, no, Swamiji, you are exaggerating. No, you are exaggerating. Because there is no flaw in his law. Such flawless, impartial karma phaladata is called vidhata. Anadhi nidhano dhata vidhata dhatur uttamaha. Dhatuhu uttamaha. Only one simple meaning for this word. Dhatuhu means Brahmaji. The one who has created this entire world. The one who is the sustaining support for even Brahmaji. Therefore, he is called Uttamaha. He is called the best. Why? Because he is the one who supports the creation through being Brahmaji. Dhatuhu Uttamaha. That Paramatma, the Vaishnavas call him as Narayana. The Shaiva call him as Mahadeva or Sadashiva. Whatever be the name given, it is that one supreme truth alone, which is the sustenance, the substratum of this entire creation. There is nothing bigger or higher. There is none else other than him. Thus comes this shloka to an end. We will continue the next shloka tomorrow, which will be our final day of discussion this month. Om Purnamadaha Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vasishyate Om Shantashantashantihi Harihi Om Shri Guru Bhyonamaha Harihi Om